great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Camp Diaries series of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast, where I take you deeper inside training camp with conversations from some of the best and brightest beat reporters on the Bills beat today. And guess what? If you're having a barbecue, tailgating, uh, on a road trip to see your favorite football team, wherever the season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops Friendly Markets for the best deals in town from fresh meat, to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops, at your table since 1962. Here is my conversation with John Scott from Spectrum Sports. We are just absolutely crushing Camp Diaries in room 216. Welcome to Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. The lighter side of the beat as we sit down with various members of the local media to just get their experience back here at St. John Fisher University. And our next guest in the hot seat, John Scott, Spectrum Sports, who... I feel like he's a brother in arms and the fact that you you really put in the time and the effort to stay overnight every night and grind and, and everybody does that. And so I appreciate that. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Only one more night to grind it out here. Yeah, I have been one of the few who has literally slept here every night in between practices and I only go home when they have an off day. So for me, it's not even about the commute. The commute is actually quicker and easier than I remember it being in years past for me. It's just, even though I'm a morning person, it's just, is a lot easier to roll out of bed. You're already on campus. I don't feel even pressured to get my stuff done to get home because I got a lot of work to do after practice. So it's just, it's just easier for me. And if we have this opportunity to be this close and be on campus, why not take it? Camp every year you know, it's a chance to really dive into the team a little bit deeper, like just from an access perspective, like there's no way around it. And of course we can probably have a side conversation about like access in general, but no matter what, this has been really good. The last two and a half weeks of just being around the team again, like during COVID, like people fans kind of probably struggled to understand just from not being involved in it. Like, we saw them on the field walking by us. And then for any interviews, like during the zoom times, it was even worse. So now we're back out. You're, you're filming them during, during practice. You're able to interact with them, talk to them, do one-on-ones, be around them. It feels a lot like everything, how everything was before the pandemic. How has it held up now that you've gone through this one back? Right. I have done a couple sit downs. So I was able to sit down off to the side with Tommy Doyle, someone who's been, a player who has taken advantage of a lot of injuries and and gotten playing time, changing some positions a bit. So there's some interesting things that he hasn't been available to the main podium for the mass media. So you have to request him. I just sat down with Isaiah Hodgins, another riser here in training camp, another guy who hasn't been there. So from that standpoint, 
it is a lot easier to do some of these more side pieces in terms of not just the general story of the day type pieces. And you're right. Just to be able to walk on the path either to or from practice before or after, and even just have like a little conversation or just an interaction with a player here and there to once again, start building up those relationships that in a locker room setting, you and I and many others were able to build up, but over the past two years, not having those has made it. So you're not. So again, it, it just helps not necessarily in your story for today or tomorrow, but as the season rolls along, it's just a comfortability factor here. And I think that on top of that, you're right. Seeing practice, and being able to to watch it all and being here at Fisher, which provides us vantage points on the field that are better than the ones that we have oftentimes over in Orchard Park because you're, the field's a track and you can basically walk around the entire thing. So you don't have really any excuse to get blocked out of things. So I, I like that ability as well. So I think, yeah, onward and upward, there's still room to go, but um, it has definitely been really good to get back to the way it used to be. One thing that you mentioned there is really important, like the relationships in the room that you build and the trust that you build. And there's one example where I really think showcases or highlights the importance of it more than any other in recent years. And that's what happened with Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde last year with Jerry. Um, we both talked about this, like from a media perspective, like, and we don't have to dive too deep into that, but like, I think Jerry asking that question or somebody asking that question the way that they did, like the way they lost that game, whether or not it was embarrassing or not, I think it had a place to be asked. Who asked it, when they asked it, how they asked it, who they asked it to, those are all points of contention, right? But I'll, I won't forget when Micah Hyde started talking, I think it was the press conference the three or four days later, one of the people that he mentioned was you about the fact that you've covered him all this time, the fact that he trusts you, that if, the fact that it had, had it been you, that asked that question, maybe it goes a different way because of, and this is not a shot at Jerry. This is more of just talking to that point, that relationship that you built with him. It's impossible to build that without moments like this at training camp in the locker room that now we're able to kind of get back to that. Right. It's about a respect factor and for the player to understand that you're not coming at them from a place of you're trying to, to get them or, or, or whatnot. They understand that, that, and not every player understands this, regardless of the relationship, but they understand that you have a job to do and, but there's respect. So maybe the way you ask the question, they, even if you word it poorly, which we've all worded questions poorly, I certainly have. And maybe it comes out the way you didn't want it to. They're not necessarily going to take it a certain way because they understand from the relationship you're built that you would never try to put them in a position that would make them look bad in the sense of like, you're trying to get them trying to get a quote, trying to, trying to, you know, poke the bear to try to get something that'll go viral or anything like that. You're just genuinely asking a question for your job. And you're right. I happened to cover Micah Hyde in high school. So that's where I have that. We know our friend Josh Reed, when LaShawn McCoy was here, he covered LaShawn McCoy in high school. And that's not an easy nut to crack. Because LaShawn at this point, when he joined the Bills, was LaShawn McCoy. And those are the relationships that that help in, in tough situations. Again, they, they understand that most of them, they understand, all right, we didn't play well. You got to ask us about not playing well. But again, 
tone, phrasing, and even if that goes awry from our side as a reporter, they understand the intention wasn't there. And I think, again, as you said, there's a lot of other factors that fall into it. I just think even if it's not a contentious thing or, or a bad thing you're asking about, you guys played bad, I think you just genuinely get better responses when someone feels more comfortable because they're not looking at you as a reporter or you're holding a camera or you're just, you know, it's, it's this job. It's more of a conversation. You get more real answers, good about good topics and bad topics. So again, I think it benefits everyone. And in turn, the listeners and, and the people ingesting our products, I think it only helps them if we are able to build relationships that ultimately will provide better answers and better stories. So we're back in St. John Fisher. I think there was, a, there was a, a noticeable buzz leading up to the week, right? But you, you get here and it's like something that you remember that you're like, oh, I missed this about this part of it. And something that you're like, oh, I didn't miss this, right? So for me, the didn't miss it part, you forget about the annoying part of that walk from the um, parking lot, depending on where you park, all the way to your room. And usually you have to do it a couple times. Like I'll do it in the morning to go get a coffee. Like Sal does a great job of bringing his Keurig. So he's got a coffee every morning. You don't drink coffee because, you know, it's not a pre-workout or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I go and I like to get breakfast. I like to go get like a coffee. So I'll leave. I'll walk all the way to my car. I'll walk all the way back. Then after practice, you know, if I want a coffee after practice, I got to go back and or they, they provide us coffee. But then at night, when, after we go out to dinner, it's back and back forth, back forth. I like getting my steps, man, but it, 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 it annoys me sometimes the walk. This is really deep level camp stuff here, but <laughs> something that you missed and something that you're like, oh, man, I remember I don't I didn't love this. I missed and have really enjoyed the dinners and like getting back to the groove and camaraderie that we all have on the beat. There's a lot of new people that, yeah, we'd hang out a bit a year ago, but this is, again, no, a lot of us aren't, aren't leaving. And so we're all going out to dinner. We're all hanging out for a little bit here. It takes us away from the job. We're all unified in the, we're all living in a dorm room for things like that. The things I don't miss, it starts to drag. I mean, it, it really starts to drag and, this camp in particular, because the team's so good, there's not always a lot of like super interesting things. So then it's like, all right, I'm trying to come up out of thin air, like something that's interesting to talk about, whether it's observations or the story of the day and things like that. And maybe that would happen if you're in Orchard Park or back in the day, but maybe I think a couple of years over the past couple of years, you're just excited to you know get access and things like that. So I think that aspect of it, and it's just, you know, sometimes the incessant nonstop, just like yelling of the fans while you're trying to do things of just like Josh, Josh Vaughn. And I'm like, and now they started bringing out air horns and things like that. And I'm like, listen, Bill's Mafia rules, and I would not want it the other direction, but at times it makes it challenging, even when they're doing podium things, and like Von Miller can't concentrate because this kid's like, Von, 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 Von. It's like, all right, you know, back at Orchard Park, we're a little more isolated, so the, the focus can remain on the task at hand. The sizzle of the grill, popping open a fresh, a refreshing drink, crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season. And Tops is right there with you. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more. 
See, that's something that I actually missed. Like, but I'm not a TV guy, so I don't rely on the audio quality as much, right? Like, okay. I'm writing most of this, and if I don't, like, if, if I if I miss something because of a fan, it's whatever. But I want to transition a little bit to TV stuff because one thing, one cool part of this little series is getting a little bit personal and getting into our, like our stories a little bit more. I mean, camp diaries, right? What do you write in your diaries and personal stuff? So I think on the TV side, like we're good friends. Like I have, might have a bias, but I do think that you, you do one of the best jobs on either side, TV, print, whatever of covering the team. Is it ever like a struggle that maybe you don't get maybe the respect that you deserve because maybe like, you know, people don't necessarily, you don't have spectrum. You don't maybe see you as much. Now we've talked about the social media part of it and you do a really good job on there. And, and, and I think that your brand is rising day by day at this point, but is that ever something that personally you battle with and that you struggle with? And how does that go? I mean, even for me, I want to get you in here. Sometimes when people ask, Hey, where do you work? It's something that like, you know, can be annoying. It could be something that's like a drag on the, the day-to-day of it all. For me, my entire career, I've never really worked for a number one station. This is the, my fourth stop, 15 years in the business. When I was in my first job in small town Ohio, even though we were ABC, CBS, and Fox, the NBC had been there forever. My good friend and now coworker Andy Young was – his first job was across town for the NBC, and they crushed us in the ratings. And everybody knew Andy. Nobody knew who I was, and that's just the way it was. And I just – I always – I'm a super competitive person, and I was young at that point, but I'm still competitive. And I just I, – I took it as my mission to like oh, – I'm, I'm going to make them know who I am. And in a year and a half, two years at that place, you know, I still was never going to compete with them. But people recognize my work more. And then uh, my second job was something where I was transitioning because of other things. And I was in the news side of things. And I wanted to be on air. And I wasn't a little bit. And I wanted to be on air. And they said I wasn't ready. And I wholeheartedly disagreed. So I found a job that would put me on air. And I went to Youngstown, Ohio. And I was there for two and a half years. And we were competing with number one, but I was always, again, trying to, to fight. And then we get to spectrum and like when it was time Warner, 3 million names later, you know what I'm saying? And, and again, like we weren't viewed as even on the same playing field as everybody else. And my goal to some extent, when I took the beat job fully in 2017 was I want to do things different than other people in the market. We want to put, more resources into covering this team than anyone in the market. And I want to elevate our coverage. And I know fully, even just from a pure numbers standpoint, half the people who live in Buffalo or Rochester have spectrums. That means half of the other people don't, there's no way they could even ever see my stuff on television. Um, But I still take pride to some extent, at least by and large, I am viewed as an equal in terms of, Oh, you work at a TV station like that. I was even a a kid on the St. John Fisher football team today. We're just walking back from lunch and he goes, Oh, John Scott. Oh yeah. I just, I follow you on Twitter, things like that. And five years ago, that never would have happened. Nobody knew who I am. Um, I always, if 
Russ Chops with my wife, Heather Prusak, because she worked for Channel 2 and now Channel 4. And like we were in Cleveland years ago for the MAC tournament. And this woman came up and was like, my husband loves watching you on the news. You're so good. And she had no idea who I was. It was so funny to me. And so I always like play it up. And she's like, oh, my husband, or at the time, my boyfriend or whatever. Oh, he works for a TV state. He works for Spectrum too. And they're like, oh, you know, that's always the response. But now it's more of an equal thing. And again, I don't do my job for the clicks or the likes or the ratings because it's just never going to change. But I'm super competitive. I always operate with a chip on my shoulder and I think it helps me focus and drive and, and be the person that I am the grinder, I guess, because that's all I've ever known because that's how I had to get to where I am. Great stuff. <clears throat> um, I like giving people a little side of that because, you know, a respect on the fact that you have built the following that you have up against the odds, like, you know, a, a market as stocked with reporters as this one is for a team and be just like, you know, just dealing with, you know, that brand awareness and just availability to people. So I think that that's huge. Um, I have the cool thing about my job is that, you know, we don't have a paywall on newyorkupstate.com. So all my work usually gets out to everybody and they don't have to, you know, where, you know, the Buffalo news and the athletic, they have the paywall and that's something that they deal with and struggle with um, whatever. Um, but anyway, want to give you a shout out on that front. And if you're not following John, follow him at John Scott TV on Twitter. No H. No H. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of always been weird. J O N versus J O H N. I kind of actually like the J O N. You know why? Cause it's, it's shorter to write. Well, my name's Jonathan J O N A T H A N ah. is my name. So whenever, I don't know, fifth, sixth grade, I decided to start going by John. I'm like, well, why would I add an H if it's not actually in Jonathan? So that's how I got J-O-N. Every time on the, on the sidelines, after practice, before practice, you got that thing up on your – that camera up on your shoulder. What's been – what have you captured? What have you seen? Not football-related, but off the field, the stuff that, you, that people really come here for that stood out to you. So not football practice stuff. Yeah, I'm talking about – Stuff like, you know, Stefan Diggs with a fan or Josh Allen with a fan. Anything that's happened away from what, what's brought people here, those moments. Like, have there been any that stood out for you? So I actually have not really captured a lot of them because I'm always kind of skedaddling back towards the media tent to get whoever's coming for postgame practices. Now, I've, like, seen – I've seen, like I saw your video with the kid. I've seen a lot of the signing of babies and things like that. Next, Next which seriously, let's, let's move past that fad. Next and babies. Just no, just, just stop it, please. It's just, let's just go back to traditional eight by tens and helmets and footballs here and stop throwing them at them, please. I know that was a big talking point after the, the scrimmage the other night. No, I haven't, I haven't done that. I mean, I, I continue to always, and a lot of time it's luck, just search for things that aren't like, here's Josh Allen throwing a football moments on the field throughout practice. So the other day I forgot and I just posted it. I'm shooting at Oliver, just doing a drill. And he, he happens to, to look over right at me and see that I'm shooting him. He stops and he waves into the camera. I got when Stefan Diggs catches this pass a week or so ago from Josh Allen and the shout songs playing 
the original shout shout song and he starts dancing and and gesturing to the crowd and stuff like that and they're loving it it's just those types of things the josh allen handshakes just like the cool things that aren't passed from allen to this guy or those types of things those things are definitely cool and if they're if i get something good i'll definitely show that but I probably have more video of Von Miller dancing than I do of him actually doing drill work here. So uh, he's like, who is, who's been some of the dancers over the past couple of years? Gabe Davis is one. Um, I think Von is like the new dancing with the stars. He's already plotting his next, his next venture. Should he get out? Well, hopefully not six years, <laughs> not until six years, but yeah, some of that stuff I just haven't, the fan interaction stuff just hasn't really been as much of a focus. Cause the job, unfortunately, has been getting in the way. Um, all that stuff is good too. Like uh, I, I just meant something that's worth capturing. And you know, speaking of you know this team and maybe on the field stuff, what maybe are you thinking today that you weren't when you got here? Like I think that's about the roster, about the team, something that you've seen, a trajectory that's changed your opinion of a player or maybe a standing. Like what's your big take now on anything bills related that maybe you didn't have when you got here i think the way they structure the roster offensively is going to be interesting in terms of numbers how many running backs how many tight ends how many wide receivers and even how many offensive linemen because i think the bills have been pretty consistent under brandon bean and sean mcdermott under their numbers they usually keep 10 or so offensive linemen they usually keep three except for last year tight ends they keep four or five running backs because of taiwan jones they keep five or six receivers or whatever but now you look at like the versatility james cook's a running back but he's going to play a lot of outside a lot of receivers so do you need six wide receivers you need do you need seven wide receivers if james cook's going to play that role do you need a seventh wide receiver for return abilities if we're going to do more tight end sets do they need three of those but where does reggie gilliam fit there's just a lot of things of like I think I had it pretty cookie cutter before, but now I just watch guys performing and seeing also the versatility they've done on the offensive line where it seems like every guy you thought was only a tackle is now playing tackle and guard. So do you need to keep as many offensive linemen as they do? So I, I think it's it's going to be a harder look for me once we reach that point in a couple of weeks to say, all right, here's my projected 53. It may not be as easy as I originally thought because I, I think maybe – especially at wide receiver. I, I think the return game potentially is going to play a role into whether it's six or seven. John Scott bringing the goods all episode long. Uh, speaking of camp and being out in uh, Rochester, we got some business to take care of reservations at good luck. It was a, a huge shout out. Uh, I put out something like two weeks ago and I had like 158 replies of places to go. Good luck was one of the, most common uh, uh, suggested restaurant. So we're going to hit it tonight. Then we're going to go to Marge's, uh, a, a Buffalo beat favorite. Uh, thank you so, so much for doing this, my friend. This was very, very good. All right, everybody. That'll do it for this episode of Camp Diaries. We hope you enjoyed it. From your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football, backyard barbecues, and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table. For the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more tops at your table since 1962.